Well, today we have got to part number two of our Remember Me series, and it's a mini-series, a mini-two-part series. We started it last week, and we discovered last week the real meaning behind something that Christians do called communion. Um, and we, we realized it was all about remembering the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to continue that and we're going to finish up this mini-series. Um, and what I want to ask you today, I want to ask you a question. You don't have to shout it out, but uh, just ask yourself this, uh, this question. What is the biggest sacrifice that you have made this week? What's the biggest sacrifice that you have made this week? What have you done in this last week just gone by to give up of yourself for the good of someone else? What, what, what have you done? Maybe some of you mothers here this morning, you're probably thinking, yeah, I've made a ton of sacrifices this week. You, you, you've given up of your time, you've given up of your energy, you've given up of your sleep. Maybe you've given up of your ambitions, of things that you want to do in this life for the sake of your children. Uh, others, you may have made sacrifices in your personal life. Maybe you've uh, stayed a little longer at work this week because you knew a project had to be finished. Uh, some of you, the biggest sacrifice that you are going to make this week is actually giving of your tithes and your offerings uh, this morning. Because some of you, when you give, you know it really is a sacrifice to actually give. While others, uh, you, you, you may be making a sacrifice this week. Maybe all your friends wanted you to go out for dinner and you were trying to save money, so you decided, I'm not going to go out to dinner, and you made that sacrifice. Maybe some of you, you were uh, tempted by somebody with a nice big slice of pie, and you were looking at that pie, and you really wanted that slice of pie, and you decided, I'm going to sacrifice that pie for the sake of my gut. Maybe you did that. Maybe that was a sacrifice that you made this week. Sacrifices are made almost every day by every one of us. For those of you who aren't on spring break this week and you have to go to work tomorrow, maybe you're running late for work tomorrow and uh, uh, there's a, a car who is trying to come in by the side of you, maybe on 95, and you are running late, but you yield to that car and you allow that car in like, all good Christians should do, right? We should let people in, like not just honk, get out of my way. I'm going to get to work quick, quick as I can. But if you let them in, you are giving up of yourself for them. That is a sacrifice. Uh, maybe uh, you uh, have uh, a piece of, uh, or you have some gum in your pocket and you've only got one piece of gum left. And somebody comes up to you and says, hey, have you got any gum? I wonder how many of you would say, no, I don't have any gum. But if you were sacrificial, you were like, yeah, sure, have my last piece of gum. That would be a sacrifice. Because the word sacrifice means to give up something to benefit another. However, there are times in life when we will not make a sacrifice. 
I'm sure there's times in your life when you know that you have a choice whether to make a sacrifice or not, to give up something to benefit another, and you have not made that sacrifice. Maybe that sacrifice just hurts too much. Maybe uh, we've all been there. You know, we have chosen not to do something because the cost of doing that is just too much. Maybe the lasting effects of that sacrifice may not ultimately turn out for our good, even though they would turn out somebody else's good. And these are the sacrifices that as human beings, they either make us or they, they break us. They define us. Uh, these sacrifices, these choices that we make. The Thursday night before Jesus died, he, he got all his disciples together and he met with his disciples and they celebrated something called Passover. What Passover was, it was a Jewish festival that was celebrated every year and they celebrated it to remember the exodus of God's people from slavery in Egypt. It spoke of the night, there was a night where God said, I'm going to send my angel, the angel of death, who's going to come out through Egypt and I'm going to kill and bring the end of the life to every firstborn in Egypt. So God told the Israelites, he says, if you want to be spared of this act that I'm going to do, then I want you to to get a lamb, a pure lamb with no defects. I want you to sacrifice the lamb unto me. I want you to take the blood of the lamb. I want you to paint it on the doorsteps. And so when the angel of death comes, he will see the blood of that lamb on on the doorposts, I should say, and he will pass over it, meaning pass over. And so that night, throughout, throughout Egypt, hundreds of thousands of families were distraught because their firstborn had died. But there was a group of people in Egypt called the Israelites who the angel of death had passed over their house and had spared the firstborn. And so for year after year, century after century, they celebrated this event that happened called Passover. And Jesus, uh, being a Jewish man, uh, got together with his disciples who were also Jewish men. And they decided they were going to celebrate Passover as everybody else was doing. And what's the greatest way to celebrate something? You know, come together and eat together. So Jesus was no different to you and me. And so he got with his disciples and they came together and they celebrated the festival of Passover. And about halfway through the meal, Jesus suddenly had an announcement to make. And this is the announcement that Jesus had to make that day. It's found in Luke chapter 22. And we'll start read, we're going to read it and we're going to start reading at verse 15. So right in the middle of this, of this meal, of this celebration, it says, Jesus says, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Jesus says, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He said to, then he said to them, take, take this and share it amongst yourselves. So they had this wine and they started to share it amongst themselves. It says, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. So Jesus decides, I'm not going to drink any more wine at all until the kingdom of God has come. And it says this, then Jesus, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he says, do this to remember me. Then after supper, so they, they, they did that, they started to eat. And then after supper, Jesus said this, it says, after supper, Jesus took another cup of wine and he says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So Jesus had this announcement that, that he made. And I'm not sure what the disciples really thought of this announcement. I'm not sure what they really knew what it meant at that time. See, they were celebrating a sacrifice. A sacrifice of the blood of a lamb that was to symbolize the angel passing over. And now Jesus was now talking about his own sacrifice. I'm sure the disciples, they were not connecting the dots. They were thinking, what is Jesus probably talking about? I mean, he's kind of speaking gibberish to us. What does this really mean? But looking back for us, with hindsight, we're we're now knowing the full story. It's very clear what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his death. That he was going to die on the cross one day later. And Jesus used two symbols here in this announcement that he made. To describe what would happen through the sacrifice that he was going to make. And I want us to fully understand these symbols today. And so we're going to take a look at these symbols. So we really understand what did Jesus really say. So the first thing that Jesus said was this. He said, he took the bread, he gave thanks to God, and then he broke the bread into pieces. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is broken, or some translations said, given to you. So the first symbol is bread. He has this bread and it represents the body of Jesus. Now we talked last week about how bread was the mainstay in everybody's diet 2,000 years ago. Bread was at every table. Everybody had bread. Bread meant life. If you didn't have bread, you probably wouldn't be able to live because you would go hungry and you would starve. Bread meant life. And Jesus once said, he said, I am the bread of life. Basically meaning, I am the one who brings sustenance to your life. I am the one who, if you try to live this life without me, then you will starve and you will die spiritually. That's what Jesus once said. So now Jesus takes the bread and he starts to break into pieces. Now this was unusual. 
because the practice of the day, they would take a bread and it would be like more like a, 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 a kind of a flat bread that they would have. And you, you would take one and you would take off a piece of bread and then you would pass the bread to the next one. Making sure everybody has kind of cleaned their hands and washed their hands before dinner. But they would pass the bread and then the next person would get it. And he would or he or she would rip off a piece of bread and then they would pass it around. And that's how they would do it. But Jesus did something unusual this night. Jesus took the bread and he started breaking it into pieces. I mean, if there was like one hungry disciple, he was probably thinking, hey, Jesus, stop eating all the bread, kind of pass the bread around, you know. But this is what Jesus started to do. He started to break it into pieces. And then he says this, as he broke it, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, if you are from a Catholic background, maybe some of you, you grew up in, from a Catholic background, you were probably taught in an early age that when you take of the bread, like when you come around communion, you take of the bread, you are, that bread becomes the physical body of Christ. It's like you are taking the body of Christ, eating the body of Christ. That's what a lot of Catholics do. And you go to a lot of Catholic churches, and if there's any leftover bread after communion, they won't throw it away. They'll put it in a jar, and I don't know what they do with the jar. I don't want to go near the jar because it's probably all moldy and stuff. But they don't want to destroy it because they believe it is physically, it becomes the body of Christ. Now, here at Generation Church, we don't believe that. We don't believe when we take of communion that it actually becomes the body of Christ. We believe the symbol of the body of Christ. So when we finish communion, we will throw the bread away. There won't be moldy bread sitting around different places. Because Jesus was basically telling his disciples the importance of what happened to his body. His body was going to be broken. And what was the importance of this broken body? And the way that we find out what the importance of the broken body was, was by a man named Isaiah who lived a few hundred years before Jesus And he wrote a prophecy about a man who was going to have his body broken. And he told and and described exactly why that body was broken. And so it's found in Isaiah chapter uh, 53. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to start reading at verse 4. And it says this. And this is a prophecy about the Messiah that would come. And Isaiah said this, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, the Messiah, the sins of us all. 
He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made as an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. So here the prophet Isaiah foretells of one who is going to be crushed and beaten, and is going to be given as a sacrifice for the people. And if Jesus is this man, which here at Generation Church, we believe Jesus is that man, then Isaiah describes exactly what happened to his body and why. So as Jesus was breaking the bread in and he says, this is my body which is given to, for you. Isaiah is saying this, that the body of Jesus was weighed down. It was weighed down. Remember, for those of you who have seen the Jesus movies and different things, that Jesus, when, he was, when he, he, he was sentenced to death, and he had a cross on his back, and he was walking up to this hill called Golgotha, and where he was going to be crucified, and the weight of that cross weighed him down. And Isaiah said he was weighed down for one reason. Your sorrows. Your sorrows. Basically meaning Jesus' body was weighed down so you could have joy in the midst of pain. So you could have joy in the midst of pain. So no matter what goes through this life, you can have joy. No matter how sorrowful this life becomes, Jesus was weighed down for those sorrows. Isaiah says that this man was pierced. He was pierced. When Jesus was on the cross, before he was on the cross, they brushed the crown of thorns in his head and it started to pierce his skin and blood started to come out. And then he was on the cross and a Roman soldier pierced his side with a spear. And Isaiah says that he was pierced for one reason, our rebellion, your rebellion and my rebellion. Even though we had turned out backs on God, Jesus was pierced so that you could come back to God. And no matter what goes on in your life and sins you've gone, or maybe you've turned your back on God, there is hope because Jesus was pierced for that rebellion. That means that you can turn around and God will welcome you back with open arms because Jesus' body was pierced. Isaiah says that it was crushed. I mean, it was crushed. His body was crushed. The, the Bible says that the, the fi- his, his figure, his, his uh, appearance was unrecognizable. He was crushed. 
And Isaiah said he was crushed for one reason, your sins. Your sins, your wrongdoings, for, for breaking God's law, for, for, for the things that you do, the lies you commit, the, 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 the things that, that, that you do in life, the, uh, the, 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 the times where you just let uh, just, just evil sin just come into your life, the, the times that you've disobeyed God. Jesus was crushed. His body was crushed for your sins. You know why? Because your body should have been crushed for those sins. But instead, Jesus became a sacrifice. He gave of his life and his body was crushed for your sins. Isaiah says that this man was beaten. Jesus was beaten. He was whipped and he was beaten. I mean, that, that, like I said, his appearance was unrecognizable. And Isaiah says that this man was beaten for one reason, so that we could be made whole. That we be made whole because there's this void in our life because we sinned we've turned our backs on God now there's a separation between man and God and there's this void in our lives because God is not there and Jesus was beaten to fill that void Jesus once says that I've come to give you life and life to the full doesn't mean that that we go out and you know we just have this crazy party life no he's saying that I'm going to come I'm going to fill this void in your life. He was beaten for that. And then finally, Isaiah said he was whipped. He was whipped. The Roman soldiers whipped him. And they whipped him because of this. Isaiah Isaiah said he was whipped so that we could be healed. We could be healed. We could be spiritually healed. We could be emotionally healed. We could be physically healed. And every time Jesus was whipped, it wasn't just for the sake of it. It was so that we could find healing in this life. And if you need healing today, then whatever it may be. Maybe you're going through things in your life. Maybe there's hurts. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's physical pain or emotional pain. Jesus was whipped so that you could be healed of that pain. You see, when we eat of the bread, it's not actually the body of Christ that we're eating, but it's a reminder of what happened to his body and why. He was beaten for our sake. Each strike, each weight that weighed him down, each time he was beaten, it was for a reason. It was for a sacrifice for us. It was for our sins, for the pain and the suffering that we would go in this life that is why we eat of the bread Jesus says take this and remember me by it the second symbol that Jesus uh, did and very quickly was the wine he took a cup of wine and and he says uh, uh, this is a a new covenant that I'm going to give to you and he took this goblet of wine and he said this is a covenant between God and his people confirmed with my blood So we drink of the wine because it speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ. And for the disciples, this would have been very confusing. The covenant was an agreement between God and Abraham that God would bless Abraham's children. And then God sealed this this covenant with, with the children of Israel through Moses when he gave Moses the law. And he said to Moses, if my people keep this law, I'm going to keep my covenant with them. They break this law, 
then the covenant's off. And so, as Jesus said this, he says, this represents a new covenant. The disciples would have been like, what are you talking about? Is there another Abraham? Is there another Moses that's going to come? That, that they knew that a covenant was always sealed with blood. Wherever someone made a covenant, an agreement with each other, it was always sealed with blood. So if I made a covenant with one of you, I'd probably like just cut myself and like we'd seal it with our blood. You know, the blood brothers and, and stuff. And, uh, and, and, and that's what they, they would do. And, and so God sealed this covenant through the blood of animals and different animals. And so it was always sealed with blood. And Jesus announces there's a new covenant and my blood is going to seal this covenant. So what did Jesus really mean by a new covenant and is going to seal it by his blood? Well, Hebrews chapter 9 gives us a great illustration and definition of what Jesus meant. And he says this in, in, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. It says, so Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made with human hands and is not part of the creative world. He says, with his own blood, with Jesus' own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, He entered the most holy place once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. So this is the new covenant, that God is going to secure our redemption. Meaning God is going is to come and redeem us from our sins. Meaning he's going to come and bring forgiveness and make us now right with God. That's the new covenant that Jesus was talking about. In verse 13, it says, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurities. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that now we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice For our sins. And he says, this is why he is the one who mediates a a new covenant. That word again, covenant between God and his people. So that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they have committed under the first covenant. And then. Just very quickly, verse 18, it says, That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commands, this is the old covenant now, to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms a covenant between God that God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle. This was the priest in the old covenant and on everything they used for worship. In fact, according to the laws of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
So under the old covenant, Abraham, that God gave to Abraham and sealed through Moses, there was a requirement. If God's people broke the law, then they had to sacrifice a goat, a bull, or a calf. A goat, a bull, or a calf. And if they did that, then they would be clean with, before God, right with God for the time being. Then if people sinned again, they would have to make another sacrifice. And Jesus told his disciples, he says, this new covenant that we're having, we're not going to need bulls or goats because my blood is the one that is going to seal it. And when Jesus died, his blood represented a sacrifice to make us clean from the laws that we had broken and the sins that we had committed. And then finally, uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 says, For Christ did not enter into the holy place made with human hands. It's important, that word human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear before God and our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth. Who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. So it's saying Jesus no longer has to die again and again and again. His one sacrifice is good for all time says, if that had been necessary, Christ would have died again and again, even ever since the world began. But now, once and for all time, he has appeared in the end of the age to remove sin by his own sacrifice, own death as a sacrifice. And it says, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after comes the judgment, so also Christ died once and for all, As a sacrifice to take away the sins of many, he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly await for him. So there was a problem with the old system. The old system, there were sacrifices that were made with human hands, hands that broke the law. And they had to keep on making sacrifices time and time again because the sacrifices of goats and bulls were not strong enough. They were not pure enough. So God sent his son Jesus to become that sacrifice. A sacrifice made in heaven that resulted in an eternal sacrifice. A once and for all sacrifice. And this is what Jesus said. When he celebrated Passover. He says. I'm going to become a sacrifice for you. And when I do. I'm going to seal this new covenant. One that will last forever. Not one that you have to do every so often. But this new covenant is going to purify you. For breaking the law. It's going to make you innocent before God. When you sin. And then it says one day. Jesus is going to come back. Not as a sacrifice. But as a king. To bring salvation to those who believe. So communion is not just a Christian ritual. It's not just a sacrament that some people, the few do. Communion is the remembrance of a sacrifice. A sacrifice of which we can hope in. A sacrifice that wasn't just for days gone by, but a sacrifice that was given by God that is so powerful that it works today. It was a sacrifice for your joy 
a sacrifice so that you could turn back to God if you had turned your back on God. A sacrifice for you to find forgiveness. A sacrifice so that you could live life to the full. A sacrifice for your healing and ultimately a sacrifice to make you clean and pure in the eyes of God so that one day we will be united with Christ in heaven for eternity. It's a sacrifice that the Father decided that He loved us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ. To die for us. To become that eternal sacrifice. So that anybody. Anybody. No matter how much you've sinned or turned away from God. Anybody who believes in him. Will not perish. But will have eternal life. Bow our heads in prayer.